0: For tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. This series is all about who we are going to be as we continue to move forward as a community. What are we going to be about? And last week we talked about being a contributor. We talked about having a gift and a choice whether or not we use that gift and that our gift has value and it has a place. And if you remember the end of the service last week, we handed out different pieces of the puzzle so that you could be reminded that you fit, that you have value, that you have a place. So I hope that you grabbed your piece last week. I hope you put it somewhere that reminds you of your gift and that you can be a contributor no matter how you feel about what you have. God is planning on using it if we choose to allow him to do that. And so this morning, we're going to talk about, my message is simply titled, One More. One More. One more, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the time that we get to spend in your presence. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that because you are here, everything can change. Everything can change. And so God, we ask that during the next few moments that we spend in your word, that your word would sink deep down into who we are, that it would take root, it would challenge us, it would convict us, it would change us. God, we pray, I pray that none of us leave here the same way that we came in, God, speak to each and every one of us. Help quiet my heart and my mind so that I can communicate your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. One more. One more. Just a small two-word phrase, but sometimes when you hear that, your brain begins to think back to the times that you've heard one more. For some of us, we're auto, automatically seeing a trainer. We're going back to our last gym session. For some of us like me, that was a long time ago, but I can still hear the trainer telling me, you could do one more. You have one more push up, one more bench press, one more curl, one more. They're, they're pulling it out of you because they see something in you that you don't see in yourself. You feel limitations and they say, no, 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 there's one more. Come on, let's get one more. Some of you are, are, are jumping back into practices you hear the coach. We're going to do that drill one more time. Man, I had coaches when I played basketball that if it wasn't perfect, we got to do it one more time. It's time to leave coach. No, no, no. One more. Because until we all get it right, it's not going to work. One more. And we're doing layup lines and we're practicing plays. And it's really hard to run a play that everybody knows, even the defense. It's really hard to pull that off. One more time. And some of us are thinking back to, to times where, where we sang in choirs and the teacher is saying, Nope, we're going to sing that one more time. Let's try that one more time. Band, we need you to do this. Some of you on the worship team, you're thinking, Oh man, Chris said one more like 20 times yesterday. It wasn't just one more, it was 21 more. But we, got, we automatically go to places in our mind. We think about our favorite foods. Some of us are thinking about Jack Stack being closed down the street. I mean, I just like one more rib. Can you just give me one more rib? I just need one more bite. Remember that your favorite cake? Oh, man, if I could just get one more piece, one more bite. And and I have a a friend that he loves ice cream, and it's never enough for one scoop. We always have to have one more scoop. You got to have two scoops. You can't just have one. (laughs) Now, all right, so that cannot be the biggest amen of the day. I'm just telling you, we're talking about ice cream. So look. And then other times we, I, I think about my kids. It's time to come inside. Can I just have one more minute? Just, just one, one more. My son, the other day, we we're outside playing basketball. Let me make one more shot. One, one more, dad. One, one more. And then he missed like three. And he's like, no, 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 but I got to make it. Give me one more that I make. And then he clarified it again. There's one more. And some of us are thinking about like the time we spend with other people. How, man, what would we give for one more day? with someone that's not here anymore. Just give me one more moment. Just one more. This two-word phrase has the power to bring up thoughts and something to all of our minds. And it doesn't just bring up something into God's mind. I believe this morning that we're going to discover that it actually moves God's heart. When he hears one more, when he thinks about one more, it moves his heart. And if that's the case, then I want our church to not just know what that is, but I want us to be about something that moves the heart of God. So what am I talking about? One more what? Well, it starts maybe with one more phone call, one more conversation, one more prayer, one more time of coffee, one more hope, one more wish that one more person would find Jesus Christ. One more person, that there's not enough, there's still room, there's plenty of room in the nets, it's not full, good enough is not something that God knows, he's saying there's one more, can we find just one more? Is there one more that needs Jesus? If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. And this morning, as we take a look at at God's word, I believe that we will find what we should be doing for one more. Luke chapter 15. We're going to start at the very beginning of this chapter. It begins this way. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Sometimes we rush past these first two verses. We jump right into what happens next. But I want to stop for a moment because what happens right now is scandalous, even if you can't see it. What's going on right now is upsetting the norm of society. Jesus shows up and All kinds of people come to hear him. And the people that are attracted the most to Jesus, they didn't come just to hear something great, but they came to find something great. They're looking for hope. And then you have another group of people that came and showed up to hear what Jesus had to say, but see, one group came to find hope, the other group came to find fault. And I wonder if we're honest this morning, I wonder if we would admit that sometimes... We're not the hope-finding group. Sometimes we're the fault-finding group. Because if we're honest, finding fault is easier than finding hope in people. I can look at someone and I can tell you three things about them already. I can judge them in my mind before I ever know their story. But today, I hope that today a, a, a switch is flipped that we can move beyond judging people as we see them, that gone are the days where we show up to find fault because John 3.16 tells us that God loved the world, that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But let's not stop there. It also said because God sent his son in the world not to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So if Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world, I hope this morning that something inside of us would change, that we would stop finding fault, and we would begin to come to find hope, and we would share that hope with people around us. There's one more that needs Jesus. As this story begins in Luke chapter 15, it sounds an awful lot like this, another story in Luke chapter 5. See, if you back up 10 chapters, you would see Jesus is going around picking the people to follow him. And he spots fishermen, he spots other people, but in Luke chapter 5, he spots a tax collector. His name is Levi. We know him as Matthew. And he calls him to follow him, and Matthew leaves everything that he has. He leaves the booth, he leaves the table, he leaves where he's at. And because of his decision to follow Jesus, he throws a party. He invites Jesus, and he invites the people that are closest to him to show up. And they're having a celebration. But then the same group that showed up in chapter 15, they show up in chapter 5 and they're mad because of what's going on. They're mad at the party that's happening right now. They're mad because of who is there. Once again, they see people that shouldn't be hung out with. And not only are they being hung out with, but Jesus actually showed up and he's eating with them. Now, I want you to understand what this means because it's not the same as me and you going to lunch today. You see, back in Jesus' day, when you chose to go to someone's house and you chose to eat with them, that was a sign and a symbol of relationship and friendship. So when the Pharisees are bent out of shape that Jesus is eating, it's not just that he showed up to eat with them, but the audacity of this man who claims to be a rabbi, who is this prophet doing miracles, but he came to be friends with notorious sinners, This is a scandalous story. It's a crazy story. And the longer he spent with sinners, the louder the complaints got from the religious people. And they begin to jab at his character. Oh, well, you know, he shows up and he hangs out with these kind of people. Look at the people that he eats with, trying to insinuate that if he's hanging out with them, guess what? He's probably just like them. You probably shouldn't listen to him. You should listen to me because I'm way better than him. I don't do those kinds of things. Look at my clothes. Look how pristine they are. I don't go anywhere where I could get dirt on me. I don't go the places that he goes. I don't hang out with the people that he hangs out with. This is what they were hoping to do. They were hoping to destroy and defame his character. But while the Pharisees came to point out, Jesus came to reach out. It says that when he showed up, the notorious sinners, the tax collectors showed up. Jesus showed us one simple truth. He knew that if you reach out to the broken, you will always have an audience. If you reach out to the broken, man, you will always have an audience. And Jesus knew this, and he spent time with people that no one thought deserved to be time to be spent with them. He went places that people never thought about going. He hung out with people that was scandalous to others. All because he knew that if you reach out to the broken, you will... Always, always have an audience. And I wonder if we could be spending more time and more energy avoiding the people that Jesus came to hang out with. I wonder if today we look in the other direction, we go the other direction, we avoid the very people that Jesus spent time with. See, because in order to reach them, step one is that we have to see one more have to be able to see one more in Luke chapter 5 people saw a tax collector Jesus saw Levi there's a big difference there they saw who he was Jesus saw who he could be a little bit later you you find Mary Magdalene that people saw a prostitute that had demons in living inside of her but Jesus saw a follower the first witness of the resurrection And people saw Paul the persecutor, Paul the murderer, but Jesus saw Paul the apostle who would carry the gospel all over the world. It's a good thing that Jesus doesn't look at us as we are, but as we can be. And man, we have to ask God to help us to see one more the way that he does. That we can see people that are overlooked, that are outcasts, that are on the outside, that have been judged time and time again. We see people that don't have hope, that we would see one more notorious sinner. And as we see them, we would begin to see them with the same lens that Jesus had when he saw us as the notorious sinner. See, oftentimes we forget that that was us in the story at one point that you and I were the notorious sinner. We weren't always the religious good people sitting over here. No, 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 we were the people that other people complained about showing up at church. And we need to be able to see one more just like Jesus is able to see us. We need to ask him that we can see through the same lens that he sees. Because if we don't, if that's not your heart, if that's not my heart, you know where I end up in the story? I end up with the religious leaders and the Pharisees because when we talk about growing the church when we talk about people coming in we have in our mind the people that we want to come in what if it's not those what if it's not them what if it's a notorious sinner. Can we remember that that was us? Can we see them for who they can be, not just who they are currently in the moment? Can we allow the love and the grace of Jesus that looked at us to help us to look at people one more time? Can we allow the scandalous grace that Jesus has to turn us in to a searching shepherd? See, Jesus, after they complained, he he tells this story. He tells probably the three most famous parables in scriptures, all to let them know who he was and what he was about. Because they were complaining about the people that he was with, and so he tells three stories about lost items and people. See, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. All so that we can understand the heart of God. So let's continue reading. Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Jesus starts off with sheep. This would have resonated with most of the people there. This was something that they could identify with. Did you know that in scriptures we find sheep and shepherd um, mentioned over 400 times? And if it's in the Bible that much, it's probably because it's an easy way to look at us and God. It's an easy story to tell so that we can understand some kind of spiritual truth. So Jesus starts off this story. There's a small flock. There's only 100 sheep. 200 would be considered small. Jesus cuts that in half. This is a tiny, tiny flock. But tiny doesn't mean insignificant. Insignificant. And that's where he begins. Some people might have even started with, well, 100 doesn't matter. No, no, no. Jesus said not only does 100 matter, but each one has value. Each one of those sheep would hold value to the shepherd that was watching it. Each family, that, the family that had those sheep, each and every single one of them had a value either spiritually or financially. Think about that. This was either keeping them alive or keeping their relationship with God alive. Every single sheep was important. In Jesus' day, when the shepherd would come in, if he lost sheep, guess who was responsible to pay for the lost sheep? The shepherd. So the shepherd cares about each and every sheep. He was willing to go and to look for it. It was irreplaceable to the shepherd in the story, and it should be irreplaceable to each and every one of us. So but Pastor Kevin, what, what about the other, the other ones? The 99, are they not important because the shepherd leaves them to go for the one? No, 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 I want you to see this differently. The 99 are not unimportant. The 99 are safe and one is in danger. And because of that one being in danger, the shepherd will leave the ones that are safe to go and look with every intention of finding the sheep that's lost. And if he's willing to do that, then we should be willing to look for one more. You and I need to be willing to look for one more. But sometimes when we get into this story, when we hear about lost people and lost sheep, some of our heart isn't initially to look for, we begin to think, well, then isn't that what they chose? Didn't they choose to be lost? Didn't they choose to walk away from God? That may be the case. But Most of us probably didn't think in one day that we would lose everything that we had. No one wakes up in the morning and thinks, you know what, I'm going to wreck my entire life today. What can I do? What 25 things can I do to destroy? No, 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 you know what happens is one day I make one decision, and the next day I take another step. And there are moments and decisions that we make sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously, but when we look up, we see ourselves lost with no one familiar around us, with nothing to protect us, and we think, you know what? Sometimes the sheep gets what it should get for wandering away. But if it's not deliberate, what if, what if the sheep was just hungry? You, you know that, that sheep, all they do, that's their life. Their life is eating. Did you know that predators aren't the only thing that kills sheep? Did you know that their appetite kills them too? That if the shepherd doesn't keep them in a certain area, that's why he clears out the path to pay attention to what they're eating, that what they consume can also kill them, that there's things that they cannot eat because if it, they eat it, they will die. And if they continue to eat and to eat and to eat, they will eat themselves to death. Maybe the sheep was just looking for something else. Maybe they just wanted one more bite. And sometimes that's where our own lives begin to intersect with the story of the lost sheep because we make choices looking for something more. What I have right now isn't doing it. It's not satisfying. And so I'm going to look. I'm going to take one more step in this direction. Does this work? Nope, that didn't work. Let me take one more step. I'm looking for something else. There's a gap that I'm trying to fill in. But you know what? If we're not careful, our entire lives can be consumed by this. And when we look up, we're by ourselves alone and hurting and lost because wanting never satisfies the way that we think it will. It never works out the way that we think it will. Other times, sheep get startled. They don't have a lot of defenses. They don't know karate. They don't have weapons. They don't have anything. So when they're startled, guess what they do? They kind of move away from the noise, from the danger. And that alone can cause them to move away from the flock. And sometimes we've experienced that in our own hearts, in our own lives. Life has hurt us. Relationships get messy. People mess things up. And you know what we do to protect ourselves? We move away from other people because we've been hurt and wounded. You know what I can't trust? I thought I was in love. They told me they never loved me. I thought this, but it didn't work out the way. Can you believe they told me that lie? They said all these things. I didn't do any of those things. I'm not going to let anyone in again. And we move out of hurt and out of loss and out of pain, out of being afraid that we were going to get hurt again, and we find ourselves again all alone, lost. And there are those that walk away deliberately. There are those that dig our heels in. We look at God and we say, if this is what you're about, I don't want anything from you. They move in the opposite direction of the flock and the shepherd. Because whatever we want, when I chose that, whatever I wanted was way more important than anything anyone could tell me. Anything that God had to offer. I didn't want anything he had. I only wanted what I wanted. And whether being lost is intentional or unintentional, good shepherding is always intentional. And we find in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd will give his life for the sheep, which means that the good shepherd will always go looking for the other sheep. Did you know that the shepherds are constantly counting, constantly checking on the sheep? How do you think he knew that one out of a hundred was gone? Because he's constantly looking. He's constantly checking He's looking in this room, counting you, looking at you, counting the number of hairs that you have on your head. He adjusts his account for me all the time when it comes to that. (laughs) And in that moment, in this last moment when you laughed, he knew your laugh. Psalms 139 paints an incredible picture of us being known by God. Not just him knowing your name or what you look like, but knowing who you are on the inside because he took his time making you, knowing you, planning for you. You are known. The good shepherd is constantly counting, looking for you, checking on you. He can pick you out in the crowd. And guess what? When the sheep gets lost, he's not blaming the sheep for getting lost. He's just looking for the sheep that's lost. He's not worried about how they got lost. He's worried that they can get found. And he begins to look for one more. And that's what we need to begin to do. Because I love in this story that it says he goes to look for the sheep until he finds it. He doesn't just start. He intends to find the sheep. And I love that because what are we talking about this year? We want to build until it's finished. We don't just want to start it. We want to finish it. We want to go to the end of the line, till the work is done. And he says, as the shepherd, when the sheep is lost, I'm not just going to look for one. I'm going to look for the one more until I find it. I'm willing to run and look and throw up rocks and look underneath to go where the cliffs are, to go where the water is, to look wherever that sheep might be. Because I intend not to just spend my day looking, but I intend to find the sheep. He's not going to stop looking. He's not going to give up on you. He's never once said, you're too far gone. You're too far away. You're too lost for me to find you. Every day, every moment, he intends to find you. He doesn't give up on us. Let's look at verse 5. It says, when he found, when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And I wonder if at this point, I wonder as he gets to this part of the story, I wonder if the crowd begins to look at each other. I I wonder if they begin to hear something that they've heard before in these words that Jesus is speaking. I wonder if there was anyone in the crowd that nudged the other one and said, hey, doesn't this sound like Ezekiel? Doesn't... Doesn't this sound like the prophecy that, that is in Ezekiel 34? Doesn't this sound just like when God said that I will remember them and that I see them and I love them and I will be their shepherd and they will be my sheep and I will come looking for them and I will embrace them? I wonder if they begin to think it was God all. It's God all along. He's saying the same things that that God promised us time and time again, reminding us that he loves them, is looking for them, and is willing to embrace them. And we need to be willing to embrace one more. I mean, when we get to this part of the story, can you picture it? Can you picture the shepherd's face as he spots the lost sheep? As he runs over to the sheep, the excitement, the joy, the smile... The ability to take that breath because maybe he was taking the worst, but he found the sheep. You see him scooping the sheep up in his arms, bringing it close. Do you remember when you felt that from God? Do you remember when you were lost, when he found you and you felt something that you'd never felt in your life before? You felt that loving embrace from the father, that loving embrace, and there weren't arms in that moment, but you felt love like you never felt before. And you felt a closeness. You felt that gap in your life and in your heart closing up because you were so close to God in that moment. There was no gap any longer. There was no hole any longer. Remember when he was willing to carry you? Remember when you had no strength to get back to the flock and he said, I got you covered. Let me heal you. I know you're hurting right now. I know you're messed up, but that's okay. He's willing to carry you when you're hurt and broken. The picture of the shepherd carrying the sheep as he puts the sheep over his shoulders, lending his strength to the sheep, saying that if you can't make it, if you're too hurt to make it back, guess what? I got you today. I'll carry you today. I'll give you healing today. I'll help you get whole today. I want you to get close to me. I want you to know that I'm not going to leave you. I want you to know I've been looking for you. He brings us in, reminding us that we have to embrace one more. We have to be willing to walk this out with people. We have to, as we find them, as we see them giving their lives to Christ, we have to not be afraid to get dirty right next to them that wherever they are is okay. The shepherd doesn't care about smelling like the sheep. That's his job. We need to be willing to embrace. He wants us to feel his love, to feel secure. He's willing to walk with you from where you are to where you're supposed to be. One more is always worth the work. It's always worth the walk. So what i'm learning as i look at this story and so you and i have to be willing to not just look for not just see them and look for them but be willing to embrace them wherever it is we find them whether that's a phone call at work whether that's the, a random person a random person in a store that you have this amazing conversation with at the end of it they find themselves accepting jesus you have to be willing to embrace them wherever it is that you find them should it be at work, in your neighborhood, should they walk through these doors, we should embrace them with the same love and grace that we see in this story. With the same willingness to get in the middle and walk out life with people, let's embrace one more together. Let's continue on. It says in verse six, when he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. In this moment, Jesus is doing something that he often does. The religious people want to be the 99, and so he's letting them be the 99. But he's not letting them off the hook. He's not letting us off the. Hook. He's not saying that the one is worth celebrating and the ninety-nine aren't. No, 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 no. Let's let's remember the ninety-nine were safe. The one was not. It was in danger. But he's also saying that when the one comes back, there worth celebrating. It's worth rejoicing. It's worth throwing a party. It's worth being excited about. All of heaven is rejoicing. The shepherd's rejoicing, the sheep is rejoicing, friends are rejoicing. Do you see how this is supposed to spread out? It's not supposed to just be one person excited about being found, but all of us being excited about someone being found. We have to celebrate one more. We have to be willing to celebrate one more choice, one more decision to follow Christ, one more person coming to Christ. Repentance always ignites a celebration in heaven, and it should do the same in my heart. I want you to correlate those two words together, that when there is repentance, there's celebration. Repentance. Celebration! I remember, I, I remember when I was found at nineteen. I remember walking down an aisle and giving my life to Jesus, and and I remember the feeling of joy and excitement. And in that moment, all of heaven was rejoicing. Everyone was celebrating up there. The angels were shouting. Jesus was shouting. And you know what? Now that I'm found, when I see one more person come down, when I see one more person raise their hand, I don't think I don't know if you can get in. No, no, no. What do I do? I remember when I was lost, and when i was found and i celebrate one more time because they were lost but now they're found they didn't have a life but now they do they didn't have hope and now they do they didn't have a worth but now they have purpose jesus isn't saying that the found are unimportant he's saying the found should be celebrating those that were lost You don't have to have an incredibly crazy story to be celebrated in the kingdom. No, no, no. It's repentance, celebration, repentance, celebration. All of us in our own way have walked away from Jesus, whether we lived a crazy life or if it was a normal one. But when we repented, there was celebration. The size of the celebration isn't about what you did in your life. The size of the celebration is all about you giving your life. It's all about the life change. I want you to imagine for a moment you're one. Because when I started talking about the lost sheep, I would imagine some of us already have in our hearts, in our minds, the one more that God is speaking to us. There's one more that he hopes finds him as we talk about celebrating one more, I want you to think, what if today was the day they gave their life to Jesus? What if you watched them lift their hand or walk down an aisle or maybe you watched them pray a prayer and ask Jesus into their life? Can you imagine for the moment the excitement that you would feel? the tears that would be streaming down your face because you've been praying for this moment, hoping for this moment. You would have given anything for this moment. Can I tell you that even if you don't know who that hand is or who that person is, that you better celebrate them like they're the one that's in your mind. Because someone has been praying for them. Someone has been hoping that they would have one more opportunity to find Jesus. That there would be one more night that they would hear the voice of Jesus. That there would be one more person come into contact with them. That would show them the love of God. And if they respond, how dare we not celebrate what God has been doing in their life. We better celebrate one more. A few years ago, we were at this Easter event. And I was on the main stage. I was giving away prizes. I was introducing people. Um, I was having a lot of fun that day. And at some point, they they did an egg hunt, right? Because that's what you do. And one of the security guards came up and and they whispered in my ear. They said, Pastor, um, we can't find Alexa. I dropped the microphone right there and I ran. I began screaming my daughter's name. I began shouting for Alexa, and looking for my daughter. And after a while, my mind began to go to places that I can't get out of my mind. And I began to think the worst possible scenario for where my daughter is, and who has my daughter, and why, why, and I'm running, looking, yelling her name. And then the security guard that was trying to keep up, I hear over his radio, we found her. And I see her coming with another one of the kids' volunteers and and as she got close, man, I scooped her up and I squeezed her and I was so thankful that she was found. And she tried to tell me, Dad, I, I, I just, I went in the thing and then they made us go in this other direction. I didn't know, none of that mattered in the moment. All that mattered is she was okay. And you know, in those moments, you know what didn't happen in my mind? I didn't think, well, you know, I got another kid at home. (laughs) Some people don't have any. I got two. One's okay. I wasn't content that I had one at home. My heart was breaking for the one that was lost. Instead of thinking it was all right, I obsessed with finding her can I tell you this morning that if you're in this place and you're lost that as much as I cared about my daughter it pales in comparison to the heart of the shepherd that we read about today of the our heavenly father that wants only for you to be found that wants only for you to be whole wants only for you to not hurt anymore and he wants to scoop you up And bring you close. And love you. And if you're found today, he wants that heart to be your heart. He wants you to see people the way that he sees people. He wants us to look for them, to be willing to embrace them, to celebrate them. That if I'm in the found, guess what? I better be working on being a good shepherd too. It's my job to be just like him, to begin to look for the lost people. Can you hear Jesus? Can you hear his words that say, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost? That that's his heartbeat. And I love my church. and I love that God's heart for one more will become our heart as well. That we will look for, that we will see them that we would embrace them, that we would celebrate them. That enough in heaven is not a thing that we think about. There's always room for one more. Would you stand with me this morning? And maybe today you feel a little bit different than normal. All this talk about being lost and about being loved, that's something that, man, man, it's eating you up on the inside. This morning, maybe it's, maybe it's the day that you get found. Maybe that uneasy feeling on the inside is God reminding you, I've been looking for you. I see you. I love you. Let me pick you up. Let me embrace you. It doesn't matter if you feel broken you feel like you're alone. You're in the right place because the shepherd is here. He loves you so very much that he didn't just look for you. He sent the very best shepherd he could to look for you. One that wasn't just willing to say that he would give his life for you, but one that actually did. That took your spot for the sins that you committed, that I committed. He paid the price for that. And then he did something that no one saw coming except God. He proved that he was exactly who he said he was and he overcame the power of death and he rose from the grave reminding us as a way that we can have a new life if we trust in him. And so I wonder this morning if if that's you. I wonder if today you need to to be reconciled to God, that you don't have a relationship or, or maybe your relationship isn't where it's supposed to be. And so in a few minutes we're going to pray together. We're all going to repeat this prayer and if you pray it and remain it and mean it, everything can change. Everything can change. So will you pray with me and say, "Jesus, I need you. I don't want to be lost anymore. I believe that you died for me." And I believe that you're alive now to give me new life. Change all of me. Heal my heart. Heal my mind. I give it all to you today. God, change my purpose. Change my direction. Change my thoughts. Change my heart. Help me to be just like you. I give you everything I am. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as, a, as we do here, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a moment. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, if today was the day that you said, I'm done being lost, Jesus, here I am, find me. If that's you and I count to three, I just want you to lift your hand up. Because so we want to celebrate with you this morning. Because if you prayed that prayer, life begins brand new. So when I get to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, Jesus came for you today. He was looking for you too. And if he found you, if he found you, I want you to raise your hand. Three, today I accepted Jesus. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, let's make some noise this morning. Let's make some noise this morning. Let's celebrate. Our prayers that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially at newvisiongrandview.com.